Insurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings. Good afternoon, greater Philadelphia area. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 860 AM. Stacy was really rocking out there if you're watching the live stream. <laughs> I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacy Mitchell. And again, we work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team since 2018 in Pennsylvania and in Delaware. How's it going today, Stace? It's going good. How's it going with you? It's going uh, same as it's always going, <laughs> I, I guess. So yeah. rocking and rolling here. I, I know you're complain. busy, busy. No complaints. Well, that's the way to be going that's into the right. holiday weekend. So um, what we want to talk about today, obviously, very real estate focused show here. We've got a couple big stories. The Supreme Court had a major ruling we're going to talk about in a hot second here. The top 10 news stories of August 2021 will debate if they're even news stories in general. And MTV Cribs is back, everybody. So we're going to talk a little bit about real estate TV and, and, and what, what goes on there. So, uh, and again, if you want to email the show, you email us info at tooltimeradio.com and you can follow us on the live stream on YouTube and on Facebook. Just Google Tom Tool Sales Group or search that. So Stacy, I know we, we've, we've been talking about this internally for, for a lot of reasons. And earlier in the week, so uh, just a couple days ago, um, it was actually last Thursday, I'm sorry, the Supreme Court of the U.S., so SCOTUS, they declared the Biden administration's federal moratorium on evictions to be illegal, mm -hmm. which is a huge victory for landlords who have been putting a lot of pressure on the government to end the eviction ban, which has been in place for, I mean, I, I guess it's like 16, 17 months now. And... The, uh, the, the decision was a six to three decision, and they ruled that the CDC, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, had exceeded its authority in issuing the latest moratorium because, remember, it, it, was, it was off, then it was back on. And, you know, what, what, what ended up happening here, which we'll get into in a little bit, is that, I mean, you know, landlords were literally not getting paid for months and really eating a lot of this, this, this eviction moratorium lack of rental payments. So, so what do you think about all this? Cause this has been like an ongoing story and it's been, it's been obviously playing out in the Supreme court now. Yeah. Um, I've been tracking this, um, because, um, you know, it just, I found it very, very interesting. Um, for even the president of the United States thought that the, when the CDC intervened and, um, extended the moratorium, he even indicated that he thought it was illegal. So, you know, he, he knew uh, where this was headed, but I guess it was buying um, folks some time. But, you know, SCOTUS did the right thing. It's, it is illegal. Um, there's a lot of small mom and pop landlords that have been suffering tremendously. Mm -hmm. And uh, I do understand, too, on the flip side, if there are um, tenants out there that have not sought uh, any kind of health, help or relief for... Uh, to help make their monthly payments, there's there is support out there. Um, you know, ask ask around. There is great support out there. Um, Housing Authority can guide you in the right direction because there's a lot of money uh, that that can help keep these tenants in place and help the landlords. But there are some certain situations where it doesn't apply. Well, and that, you mentioned something there that's part of the problem here. And, and the problem being that there's all this COVID-19 relief money. And 
what what this article on Housing Wire went on to to discuss, which I found to be a big a big issue, is that the Biden administration came out and said that only five point one billion of the forty six point five billion in aid to renters had been distributed as of the end of last month, the end of July. So what ends up happening now is they have this relief money that's earmarked, and the relief money's earmarked, and it's a lot forty six point five billion, huge number. Mm-hmm. And they have this money earmarked and they're saying, hey, you know what, we're, we're not going to distribute it or we don't have the infrastructure to do it or we don't have the plan. So only 10.9 percent, less than 11 percent of it has helped renters. Meanwhile, all these landlords, mm-hmm. these properties may be financed and they maybe they're not. They're paying taxes. They're paying insurance. They're paying all these different bills associated with them. So. Okay, the renters don't have to pay, even though the relief money's there. There's, there's, I mean, over $40 billion left that hasn't been distributed. And th- these landlords are stuck holding the bag. Mm-hmm. And you had mentioned uh, about the small landlords especially, and there was an article on, on The Real Deal that, that, that talked about this that came out um, in, in for, for the month of August as well, is that there's millions of people who – um, are, are on the cusp of, you know, maybe, you know, losing their homes or, or where they live. But, you know, that, that with that with all that in mind, they're not taking advantage of the relief programs the government passed, designed and budgeted for. Mm-hmm. And then the landlords are stuck with the bill and there's no landlord relief program. No, none at all. Right. None. And this has been going on for 18 months. So you got property taxes, mortgage payments, utility bills, other expenses. And you know, maybe some of these people need that mortgage, that, that rent money coming in to pay these, pay these bills, pay their mortgage. And now what's happening is these folks are fo- forced to like max out credit cards with mm-hmm. 20 and 30% interest rates. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to, you know, take away from their savings because someone's getting to live somewhere for free. And these folks aren't taking advantage of the 40 plus billion left. That's a problem. And I don't know what, what happened here, but either these people need, there needs to be a better way to uh, get the message out because I don't think a lot of these tenants know where to go. I don't, the right. communication's not there. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, okay, well, the tenants are okay. They have a place to live, but now you've put these other people in financial straits mm-hmm. when they've been paying their bills the entire time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. There was a case study that I was listening to. Um, there was a woman that was describing her situation. And she is a very small time landlord. She has a property that has an attached unit that she was renting. Um, She has not received any rental income at all during COVID. Her tenant refused to pay and she can't be evicted. Um, The situation is a little different because the owner of the property, the woman, she is terminally ill. Mm -hmm. So she was describing that she's, you know, dying of cancer and she really wants her family to live next door to her to help her and to take care of her. And that's really why she wanted the tenant to move out. Um, she's not evicting because of lack of payment, but obviously that would help her situation too. But she said more so, it was so that my family could move in and help me during this process. So not every situation, it's not all black and white. I mean, there's so much gray in between that gets lost. So I think, um, you know, this is putting everything back into the confines of uh, what is legal. So at least the landlords can take the necessary action if they have to. Um, Again, it's a long process to, um, in some states, to officially evict people anyway. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, you know, once this was lifted, 
everybody, you know, gets the, their locks changed and they have to move out. That's not how it works either. So um, that was just one case study I heard. And I, I really I, I empathize with that woman because it's a, a very unique, different situation and she was suffering. Well, and, and that's that's what people don't get. They don't hear these human interest stories. They hear, okay, well, the landlords, they had enough money to right. to buy the property so they, they can deal with it. And you know, 18 months when you have someone that's contracted to pay you, I mean, we talk about mortgage forbearance and these other things. Well, these mortgage companies, like that program works because they're all they're doing is tacking the payments onto the end of the mortgage. So mm-hmm. if you had a 20 years left on your mortgage at the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic, well, now you got... 20 years plus the 18 months that you haven't been paying your mortgage. So they're getting their money. Mm-hmm. And those, those are companies equipped for this. The landlord that owns maybe 10 or 15 properties, or maybe even only one or two, or right. like the woman you're speaking about, mm-hmm. that's the folks that get hurt. And mm-hmm. to your point, um, the president of the National Apartment Association, he came out and said the government's got to move past these failed policies and begin to seriously address the debt tsunami in the nation, which is crippling renters and housing providers alike. So, you know, even you, you have the National Apartment Association coming out and saying, hey, this didn't work. Right. There's got to be a better way to distribute this money. I mean, everyone got PPP loans. Everyone got EIDL loans. Uh, I don't understand how this $40 billion worth of rental assistance for people that need it Mm -hmm. isn't getting out there. And that's a failure on, on both administrations because it's going, you know, with the Trump and Biden administration, because they've been presiding over this over the past 18 months. Mm-hmm. Uh, what they're also estimating, uh, to, to give everyone a perspective here, is the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau, um, the CFPB, they're estimating 11 million renters have fallen behind on rent. And the um, they, they do a pulse survey every month, and their analysis um, found that 3.6 million of those people are likely to be evicted because some landlords are working with folks. I don't want to say that this yeah. is just, a, and I mean, I, you know, we've, I'm, I'm a landlord. This question came up as soon as this happened. And mm-hmm. our plan was to work with the people that were there, but not everyone can afford to do that. And that that's, right. and it, it's, you know, it's okay. Well, this person can pay their bills, but this one, this one can't, or this one's not allowed to. And it's that, that's where the problem with this is. So how do you think this plays out here? I mean, obviously there's some people in some, mm. some, some, uh, death financial, deathly, excuse me, financial straits. How do you think this plays out? And wh- what does this mean for the market? I mean, I've got some clear ideas how, what I think is going to happen and some, but what, what do you think stays? Well, what it means for the market is, I mean, there's, it's still a great seller's market. Mm-hmm. So for any landlords that, uh, for, for whatever reason they're, they're underwater, they have to, they can sell. They can sell and hopefully, you know, clear out their debt um, so they can unload the property. And now that the eviction moratorium is lifted, they can sell with the tenant in place or, um, you know, have the tenant removed before selling. So I think that that's an option. Now, as far as uh, the renters and and the tenants, I, you know, I really have to ask, why don't they know about these programs? And where's the, the, where's you know, where's the cracks here? Where are people falling through the cracks? Because like you said, um, you know, I, we have a tenant in place and when this initially happened mm-hmm. and we understand her situation and we are tied in with the housing authority. So I knew that there was programs. We got her hooked up immediately with that. And yep. she did her part, you know, she did her part too. So uh, that was a success story, but there's a lot of people falling through the gaps. Well, you bring up a good point. I mean, what I see here are a couple things. One, to, to, to what you said, you're going to see landlords start to liquidate mm-hmm. because 
that's the only way they can maybe make their money back. I mean, if they've yeah. dipped into savings or they've racked up credit card debt or whatever they've done to make their payments, maybe they're in forbearance and they, that's added on to the back end of their mortgage. Who knows? The option of selling is going to be there. And because the market has appreciated like it has been, you know, nine to ten percent year over year, where, where we saw through the through the end of July, at least in our marketplace in the greater Philadelphia area, that could hopefully erase some of these financial problems they've run into. So that that's the hope here. Now it might not always be the case. We don't know. And then you got to question what kind of condition is the property in? Has the tenant been keeping it up? And right. it, there's a lot of issues there that that they they could come to the forefront. So that's one option for landlords. I am clear landlords are going to start to liquidate mm -hmm. and, and there's going to be some of them. And a lot of it's going to depend on, you know, where they are in their life. If they're sick of being a landlord after this, <laughs> right. and we, we have some clients that are doing this now where they're just kind of done with the process because I haven't made any money in 18 months. Mm -hmm. I've got all these laws I got to deal with and I'm getting ready to retire and I'm kind of sick of this. So I'm going to cash out. So it's stick or sell is, is kind of the decision a lot of these folks are making. So I do anticipate for the market and for the buyers that are listening, if you're in that first time buyer segment or you're in that maybe move up segment where you're not going into a, a larger home that's typically not rented, but anything that we kind of expect to be rented, there's going to be some of those homes coming on the market. You might sure. need to put some sweat equity into them if they are rentals because they're not going to be kept the same way that your home or my home would be uh, uh, just because we're end users and, and renters don't typically take care of the property in the same way that not all of them, but I mean, it, there, there's more wear and tear. Mm -hmm. So I'm clear that's going to, help buyers that are out there in the marketplace, number one. Um, secondly, to your point, if you're a landlord that's in this situation and your tenant's not paying, I'd get on the phone with the tenant and tell them about these programs. Mm -hmm. I mean, instead of playing the victim here, take ownership of what's going on. And that's right. the best advice I have for everybody because the money's out there to be helped and there's still people that are out of work. And that's, that's a really challenging situation. Do something about it. Don't just sit there and, and you know, and, and boo hoo all day, that's not going to help you. Mm -hmm. So the landlords that are, feel like they're affected by this and they don't see an end in sight. And obviously the tenants got to be cooperative too, mm -hmm. which is a whole nother thing. Right. I'd be on the phone with my tenant saying, Hey, there's this federal aid package that's out there. Here's how to find out about it. And, 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 and go from there. I mean, that, those to me are the, are the two things that are going to have to happen. And for, for sellers, if I'm, if I'm selling a home in that first time buyer segment, or I'm selling a home in that maybe trade up segment where I know there's going to be, there's the opportunity for someone to turn this into a rental property. I'd be a little concerned about some of this inventory coming to the market. Not that it's going to jump up to a buyer friendly market. It's just not going to be as seller friendly as we mm -hmm. have seen. So I'd be thinking about that if you're planning on moving and that's where your segment of the market is, because you don't want to be competing with a bunch of other properties, mm -hmm. especially if it's landlords looking to liquidate because they may just want to sell and be done with it. And not everyone always goes for the maximum price. They just want to get it sold and get a clean offer. So this, this is going to affect the market, especially knowing what the Biden administration has planned for 1031 exchanges, mm, right. which are going to affect landlords and what they mm -hmm. have planned with, you know, the, the hiking the capital gains capital tax gains. rate. I mean, this all right. goes hand in hand here. So I'm clear that we're going to see a pop of inventory here and it may not be the best homes, it may not be the, the sexiest homes. It's going to be homes that first time buyers and trade up buyers typically move to mm -hmm. and be ready to put a little sweat equity in. Mm -hmm. But it's great opportunity. That's for sure. A hundred percent. So yeah, anything else that you, you think we need to be talking about here? I mean, this, this is a, this is a tough story because it's been there's been so much back and forth and no one's been really clear on how it's going to play out. Yeah, it, it's a tough story on both sides. Um, but I think this is the this is definitely the right decision. Um, because what the CDC 
ultimately did by extending the moratorium was illegal. So this is just writing that something that was incorrect and um, now it's going to stay. So at least people will know what they can and cannot do. At least they'll have a direction and they can make, you know, hard decisions. So that's definitely something to be said right there because people need to know which way I can go. Being in limbo is not good for anyone. So, so the name of the program, if this is something that applies to you and you're listening or you know someone, I, I think it's, you know, we all got to take responsibility to get the word, get the word out about this. So it's called the Emergency Rental Assistance Program. And mm-hmm. literally, if you Google it, the first result that comes up is a link to the Treasury uh, Department, uh, the treasury.gov website. And it says, find rest- rental assistance in your area. There's a fact sheet. There's a lot of good resources there. That's the place to go. So literally just Google what I just said there, which was the um, emergency rental assistance program. It'll take it to the appropriate website. And then there's going to be different things by, by state and, and, and everywhere else. So uh, because it did get delivered by state. So in Pennsylvania, you actually want to go to the Pennsylvania site. It's dhs.pa.gov. And that's the Department of Human Services. And then you can search emergency rental assistance program. It's ERAP. And there's a online application literally right on the website Mm -hmm. that you can go to. Um, So it says, what county are you applying from? And then you fill it out and and go from there. And that's going to be the best way to go about this. So again, just Google emergency rental assistance program, go to the dhs.pa.gov website. And if you're a landlord, send that to your tenants if they're having problems. If you know someone that's having problems and they're ignoring it. That's the biggest thing is a lot of people get in these situations. They don't do anything about it. And that's how this stuff gets out of control. So we've all got a job to do to get that word out there. So that's where we'll leave it on this story. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about the top 10 debatable news stories in August. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your... What's up? Whether you have a license or... Oh, I can get it for you. You want me to get it? 692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. Join our team, the TomTool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. Buying a home or already own one? We can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610-816-0043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. The real estate market is red hot. Have you considered taking 10 seconds? Call the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax at 610-692-6976 or visit our website, tomtool.com, to connect and take advantage Coming back. of the conditions. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacy Mitchell. 
And we work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania and Delaware since 2018. We've got Nick Wolf doing the production behind the camera. He hates when I bring his name up, so there you go, pal. <laughs> Brett is producing. Very excited to have him here. And and what we want to go over now is there was an article that came out uh, on Inman News, which is like the real estate news gossip industry site. And they're talking about the biggest stories in the month of August, which is usually a slow news month. And I found this to be pretty interesting because I'm not sure all of these are actually news stories, but instead <laughs> of, you know, us, you know, me just kind of saying that and moving on, let's, let's talk about them and see how relevant they are to the real estate industry, to the market. And it'll be a good rundown for people maybe listening to the show for the first time, tuning in for the first time on YouTube or on Facebook. And again, you can follow us there. Just Google Tom tool sales group and we'll, we'll be right there. So Let's run down them, Stacey. I'm going to okay. tee them up for you, and then we can go back and forth a little bit. So right. the first story, bidding wars are cooling off, how to prepare for a shift. And this goes over what happens when the market starts to tilt in buyers' favor. Here's what agents need to be thinking, preparing for, and learning about to better serve their future clients. What do you think about this one? Number one news story of the month of August. <laughs> well, I there is a shift in the market. Yes. So that is true. Um I think, again, it's every situation's different. Every house is different because I've been in bidding wars still. Mm -hmm. um, but there's definitely opportunity. So, um, yeah, I think this story is somewhat uh, legit but uh, because it is shifting. So, yes, I agree. So, so I, I do agree with this as well because the market has been pretty incredible since May 19th of last year with excessive bidding wars, mm -hmm. uh, excessive and some um, pretty amazing terms being offered to sellers where they're they're being paid to accept an offer by a certain time. They're actually getting more money if they say yes sooner because buyers know what's happening. So bidding wars are cooling off. And what I do like about this story from Inman's point of view is that agents are always very slow to pivot, uh, at least the, the majority of them. Obviously, we've been, you know, we, we've been talking about this like literally every week. It's okay. The market's hesitating a little bit. What do we do? Mm -hmm. So I do agree that Agents should be thinking about what to do when the market starts to move a little bit. I wouldn't say that this is this is going to be a, a a market tilting in buyers' favor. It is good for agents to start having a strategy so they can work on their skills because there's a lot of agents out there, and we've done these transactions. This isn't how we operate, but they literally the phone rings or they get the internet lead or whatever. They respond to it, maybe in a timely fashion, maybe not. They go and show the house and they, and they sell it and it's one and they have no, I mean, there was no, they, they were, they opened the door. So there, I think for those agents, that's who should be reading this, this particular yeah. article. Yeah. Cause they will need to prepare for yes, the shift. <laughs> like learn how to do a script and a presentation <laughs> right. and all that stuff. Yes. So I, I, so relevant. Um, and, and you know, it's a, I think you want to always be ahead of the market, not, not behind it. Correct. All right. Story number two, uh, new law will limit what teams can call themselves and uh, this is dozens of teams will likely have to rebrand thanks to a state law. And this was in Connecticut specifically um, that, that they changed the law where if they had the name group or LLC as part of their team name, that they're going to have to change that. What do you think about this story, Stacey? It was number two. It was number two. <laughs> I don't know if these are okay. in ascending order oh, or not. Okay. Well, they actually okay. said top 10. So I'm assuming this okay. is their number two. Okay. Well, yeah. Um, okay. I don't know what to think of this one because I don't know really how does it, um, I guess if there's real estate teams involved, is that what? 
Is yeah, that so, what it's uh, trying to allude to here? Well, let, let's go into this. This, okay. this is relevant to Pennsylvania in, in, in some ways because Pennsylvania's had this law in place for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a new law that the governor of Connecticut passed that talked about some licensing issues and they defined what a team is two licensed real estate brokers or salespersons who are affiliated with the same sponsoring brokerage and engage in advertising as a group using a team name. Uh, they have like a registration fee they wanted to pass. Um, but they, uh, teams can use the word team, but they ban some other words such as group, group. company, LLC, yeah. or anything that implies it's a business entity. Um, and they also have a naming rule, which uh, said that some of the uh, some of some of the current teams are branded around an agent's full name, and few still incorporate the brokerage identification. So it, it sounds like they 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 were moving towards what Pennsylvania's been doing here, mm-hmm. and this might be something I'm a little more of an expert in than you are. We, mm-hmm. we totally, I mean, that, that would make sense, right? So um, what I what I know is that Pennsylvania has very clear laws, and I think this is other states getting up to snuff because you go to some of these other. States, you don't know who these people work for from a brokerage standpoint. Mm-hmm. In Pennsylvania, you have to put the brokerage's name on every piece of advertising, period. And it has to be as prominent. That That's what the law says. It also says that you have to have the team leader's name in the team name. This is a big problem in Pennsylvania that, I mean, no one ever reports this stuff. I mean, I'm, I, I got bigger problems than reporting illegal team names. <laughs> but there are a ton of teams that you don't know who's working there. Mm-hmm. They have some arbitrary name. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what brokers they work with. So... You know, this story, I, I think it, it, it when someone complains in Pennsylvania, then this is a big story, at least to us. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is more just kind of New York's like this. New Jersey's like this. I don't I don't see this being that big of a deal other than it's probably going to be the national standard. Mm-hmm. So this one will drop this down we'll out of the top 10. Right. Yeah. That's the all right. So number two is out. <laughs> OK, the third one, 11 time saving apps that will give you leverage. What do you think about this? OK, Stacey? I want to know what they are. Let's see. And let's look them up. Mm-hmm. OK. Because I need some uh, okay. time-saving apps. <laughs> so Jimmy Burgess wrote this, who's a friend of mine. So I, I'll, I'll give credit that he knows what he's talking about. I'm looking through these apps. Forewarn, Forewarn. never heard of it. Stride, Videolicious, you heard of that? No. Your iPhone scanner. I don't have an iPhone. Okay. so they, <laughs> You might as well just stop now. Right. Easy measure. Easy measure. BombBomb now. is the first ah, good one. BombBomb, bomb, there we are. Yep. That should be number one, if you ask me. That's a yes. video app. So I, I like that one. DocuSign. DocuSign. We use Dot Loop, same that thing. Should that should be, be up two. there. Mm-hmm. Uh, although, if an agent's not using electronic signatures, oh. I think they should be just thrown out of the industry Absolutely. entirely. Yes. Unless they want to do extra work. <laughs> Adobe Lightroom. Nick, do you know what that is? Good. Okay. No. Thumbs yeah. up. Thumbs down. All right. Okay. Nick says thumbs up. Audible. Audible, I like. Okay. I don't use Books it. on tape. Oh, yes. Audible. Okay. Got I it. I mean, that's. And then Calendly, also a good one mm-hmm. that helps you schedule stuff. That's like someone can have access to your calendar and schedule a time when you're available based on what you set. So, mm-hmm. so that way you're not going back and forth about scheduling calls. Google Drive. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, that's one that everyone should be using. So yep. I would say this is more like if you're not using half of these apps, Ooh. you need to get a reality check that is 2021 and not 1998 and, right. and see what happens. Yep, I agree. Good good stuff by Jimmy. I don't, I'll have to read about the other ones because I don't really know what they are. Mm-hmm. All right, so we'll get that one's okay. Yeah, that one's that one's good. Okay. Give thumbs up for uh, that. Next time I see Jimmy, he's probably going to have something to say. <laughs> okay, story number four. Compass dramatically trims losses and sees rocketing revenue in Q2. Hmm. So they lost $7 million in the first quarter, which was an improvement over their previous quarter and the last quarter. Uh, and when you go and look at... Um, 
no, no, I'm sorry. They lost seven million in Q2, so they still lost money, um, and they took in two billion between April and June of of that year. So, I mean, they're they're still losing seven million dollars after taking in two billion. That's the big story. Okay, what did they trim? I want to see what the it said they trims law. Okay, I see. They trimmed their losses. How did they do that? Does it go to say what they did? What I would imagine happened is that it was a big quarter for mm-hmm. a lot of realtors, yeah. and they sold a lot of houses. And that's is, why, yeah. Um, and they're they're apparently expecting to have an adjusted EBITDA profitability in 2022, which is a year sooner than expected. Uh, and that. I mean, then I, there's some rhetoric in here from Robert Refkin that Compass agents strongly outperform their peers. Uh-huh. I mean, who, you know, I, I don't know what the data set is there. Um, they have 817 more agents. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, it's the, these stories with these companies are interesting because, I mean, you look at Compass's stock price. Like, so right now it's at $15 and 98 cents when it, um, when it came out, I mean, it was originally valued, um, let's see here. They originally had it valued at, at $20 and they were originally going to price it at $34 and it went down and it's come back up a little bit after the earnings report, but then it went down again. You know, I mean, I, I have a real problem with these companies in general, and this isn't just Compass, that they report, oh, hey, we didn't lose that much money this right. quarter. <laughs> I don't know about you, right. but in your in your business, right. because oh. you, have a bit, you have your own business. Mm-hmm. If you had a not profitable quarter, would you be feeling mm-hmm. okay? Uh, no, not at all. No. But I guess this is to like smooth it over and sugarcoat it somewhat. I, you know, to me, yeah. this is, I, I think a lot of these companies, you know, it's, it's, and this is Wall Street in general. I think there's a bigger mm-hmm. problem here mm-hmm. that a lot of these cases, they're just, uh, th- these companies aren't profitable. I don't, I don't understand how they, you know, stick with uh, bringing shareholders in, but you know, th- there, there's going to be some issues there. I mean, if I was a stockholder or I was, you know, a, a shareholder and they're telling me, well, we're, we're going to get closer to profitability. And I mean, it's, it's almost like funny money because exactly. unless you sell the stock, like what does it really mean? Right. The the concern I see is a lot of these compass agents, they took stock to come over there and the stock hasn't done that well. So, I mean, it's, you know, you took this, is, is it going to go anywhere? I mean, Realogy stock was down to like $2 at one point. You know, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't, I don't like the take stock to come to our company option. So I think that's probably part of the Part of the challenge here with that. So, what, what do you think of that story, Stacey? Newsworthy or not? No, not really. If they made money, mm-hmm. that would be newsworthy. Totally. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that would that be would the big be, news, well, right? I guess we're we're living in <laughs> fantasy land here. So, all right, so not that big of a deal. Yep. So the next one, Keller Williams Mega Camp, which is like the Keller Williams. That's the major real estate conference they had. Okay. Um, they had big questions come up from Gary Keller. Gary Keller is a smart guy. I like Gary Keller. I listen to his podcasts. Um, and they had four questions they wanted to look at. Is KW going to go public? Mm. Is the market heading for tough times? What's up with COVID-19? And mm. somehow they went, for, oh, they, they did this out. And who steers the ship? Who's in charge? Because they had their CEO leave and get replaced because Gary Keller is now the chairman of the board. So what do you think about this story? Again, um, yeah. What's up with COVID-19? That was one of their questions. I think it was, how's it going to affect the market? And yeah. Okay. No, I don't think this is one of the top news stories. That's for sure. Stacy is not amused here, everybody, <laughs> with, with this. So no. that's okay. All right. Yeah. Let's look at the next one here. So, so far we've got like one and a half that are good. Mm-hmm. Uh, number six, <laughs> 21 creative video concepts to reach more buyers and sellers. Mm. Also by Jimmy Burgess. So my man Jimmy okay. is coming through yeah. with some good stuff here. Um, 
So I'm not going to go through all of them. What I do agree with is that if you're not doing video as a company or a team, I think, I think you're, you're missing the boat there. I yeah. mean, we, we, we have, and you could say that's great time, but we, we can, we have committed to video. Um, mm-hmm. obviously this is on video right now. We put out a lot of videos a week. Um, here are some of, some of the items, five things to do before listing your home, mm-hmm. five biggest mistakes you can make. Should you sell video CMAs that are unsolicited to potential sellers? Love that idea. Ooh, that's a good one. Here's we should write one this do. one down. Yeah. Coming soon. Also, we do those. Coming soon. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do we got Neighborhood here? Neighborhood sales update. Neighborhood sales. Yes. We do that. Yep. Also, I've seen a lot of hyper local stuff here, which I love. And, and you know, so Jimmy lives down in Florida. Um, I, I think it's like 30A. It's some like beach that they live on. I, I don't know much about Florida. What I know here is in Philadelphia, if you're an agent, I mean, you could get micro local in, hey, here's what happens in, you know, this neighborhood in Philadelphia. Like here's your Fishtown mm-hmm. market update or here's your graduate hospital market update or here's your Downingtown market update. Mm-hmm. So I, I do love going super local there. I think that's going to be helpful. They're great. This is a good art. If you're an agent and you want to start doing one. video, this is your first 21 videos. Like oh you, my gosh. I this mean, is it, awesome. because if you don't put, if you don't map out your content, that's where people get inconsistent. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many agents they come out with like two videos. Mm-hmm. They get all motivated. They do a video and then they run out of ideas. Um, and it, it's, you know, Nick can attend. It is not easy coming up with the content mm-hmm. for these videos week after week. What, what are we on? Like number 248 or something of like the, the one. Uh, <laughs> that's a lot of videos. And so you got to have a plan. This so that, this, this is going to be helpful for mm-hmm. a lot of agents. So I like we, this article. And it goes on my favorite transactions, my funniest transaction, yep. my worst transaction. I love that. When people like the behind the scenes stuff, mm-hmm. they want to know what, what's going on because I think that that's always kind of a sexy part about any business. So mm-hmm. this is one of the better articles. So, so far we like yep. the bidding wars are cooling off, uh, the time-saving apps, mm-hmm. half of them we heard of, the 21 creative videos. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. So Jimmy Burgess is dominating the list here, which is very exciting because I, I, again, I know Jimmy. So all right, number seven, EXP rakes in 1 billion in revenue and sees agent count soaring. Mm. And they were up 87% year over year, according to their Q2 earnings report in number of agents and brokers. It's a big jump. Wow, That's a huge jump. I don't know how this isn't ahead of the compass and KW stories. Number one. I, I mean, know. this, this is much more interesting than that because this EXP is, is a, this is a real startup company. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I, I don't, you know, we, we don't, we don't work with the XP. We don't work with any of these companies, but what they've done here to see that kind of growth, mm-hmm. 87% in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, it's huge. That's a yeah. big deal. Um, so that should definitely And they profited. They profited. Wow. Okay. See? Congratulations. <laughs> We're not talking, not talking, we only lost this amount of money. They profited 37 million. So this to me is bigger than any other stories yep. about the big companies. Exactly. Yep. I agree. And they also earned 24 cents a share when the prediction was only 5 cents. So that's a pretty big jump. That's a big jump. Um, and then last year it was only 6 cents a share. So we'll have to get like a stockbroker on or a financial analyst to help interpret all this. But th- this to me is the much bigger story about any of the any of the other companies. Mm-hmm. So we like that one. Yep. Let's see what we got. We're getting down to the wire here. Okay. Number eight, free leads from Google. How to set up and optimize Google My Business. Oh, wow. Okay. Let's also see. by Jimmy Burgess. Uh-oh. Star, we should have had Jimmy come on. I, I, I could have gotten him on right. the show. I didn't even, this was planned at the last minute. So Google My Business. Mm-hmm. I, I do agree that this is important because where do you go to search for everything? Google. Google. Of course. Right? Yeah. If you can't Google somebody mm-hmm. and, and nothing comes up or no reviews come up or no pro, like th- this is where people are going more and more. Mm-hmm. 
87.76% of people search on Google when they're looking to get uh, started with the buying and selling process, according to Statista, which is one of these statistical online search uh, firms that look at that. So, and you know, the thing about this is it's all free, right? So, I mean, you know, I mean, you've got a lot of Google reviews from clients. Mm -hmm. We post all our listings on there. We post video clips on there. Mm -hmm. That's where people go right now. That's where they go. Everybody goes to Google to uh, do a search anything, really, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever type of big purchase they're going to make, including real estate. That's where everybody does their searches. Well, we're coming off a year where everyone did everything virtual and and all that Mm -hmm. stuff. So why wouldn't they search there? So I, I, another, another gem from Jimmy Burgess here. That's right. Boy, he is really doing well. We're going to have to get him on the show here. I'm going to hit him up uh, once I get done. Cause I, I, I didn't even know this. We, we looked at the article and just thought we'd talk about this and I didn't realize how in depth it would be. This article is really good. It goes into, you know, getting, how to get the reviews, mm-hmm. um, you know, photos. It, it has a lot of tips. So this is a good article. Well, what I love about this is we've done most of this. So I feel yeah. good about what we're doing as right. a team. Um, right. <laughs> what I also like is that he's breaking it down for people. And, and mm-hmm. the sad part is 95% of people who read this article, they're never going to do anything with it. Mm-hmm. But this is where people go. They're going to Google. So Jimmy's three for three on, on his articles. I mean, we don't know some of the apps, but this is good stuff. Mm-hmm. All right, we got two more here. Um, and then we're going to wrap up and then we'll talk about MTV Cribs coming back. Very exciting. <laughs> Are real estate commissions going down? Not so much. So this is an article that talks about, th- th- I, I would say there's an analogy or a feeling, not not fact-based, but I mean, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that there's commission pressure in real estate. I mean, are, are, I mean, you're in the industry every day. What, what are you seeing, Stacey? Well, there's just a lot of competition um, as far as, uh, you know, trying to get listings. So there is pressure to, um, you know, uh, negotiate commissions. And um, yeah, so I, I believe that that is true. I, d- I wouldn't say, are they going down? But there's, you know, there's definitely... Uh, pressure to negotiate commissions for sure. Well, and there is because of the way the market is. Mm-hmm. And I've been through a couple of these trends where, yeah, and you get companies that are coming out there that are saying, hey, we'll list it for a flat fee or mm-hmm. we have a salaried agent or now with the iBuyer issue. So I, I, mm-hmm. there, there's there's more people trying to get in between the consumer and the realtor to to take a piece of that or just take it all out of the out of out of their hands in general. What I don't like about this article is you know, there's something in there that says, um, you know, a lot of people believe that real estate agents, they make uh, housing more expensive. What we know is that according to the bright MLS price index that we talked about, when a home doesn't go on the MLS, it sells for 16.98% less in the Philadelphia region. Right. So real estate agents end up getting more for their clients exactly. and, and, and more than their normal fee. So this to me is, and it's an opinion article, yeah, you know, this is one of those headline grabbing clickbait articles. I give this one mm-hmm. thumbs down. Thumbs down. Because Ooh. the data tells us something else and that right. ultimately real estate agents are really helping people. And I, I, I've never, you know, we, I don't think you want to track, is my commission going up or down? It's how many people are you helping and, and what's your right. business doing? So right. I, I don't like the tone of the article in general. I don't think that's that big of a news story. Nope. All I right. Agree. We are simpatico here on these stories, Stacey. Last right. one. Last one. Rocket Homes hiring in-house agents and launching an iBuyer program. Oh, here we go. So do you think this is a newsworthy story? Oh, well, it could be competition for Zillow, right? 100%. Yeah. So um, Zillow might be a little concerned about this. That's for sure. 
This, to me, is probably one of the biggest stories Mm -hmm. out of all of them because Rocket Mortgage is huge. Mm -hmm. Big company, right? And they're the nation's biggest mortgage lender, despite all the problems with them and how they never close on time (laughs) and they don't do a great job. And I'm going to go on record saying that this is a huge story because they're bringing people in-house. The problem they're going to have is their mortgage companies don't deliver great service, so they might not want to work with their agents in the first place. This is very similar to the Zillow program and, and other programs that are out there. And when the nation's biggest lender is doing this, this should be like number one or two, not um, unless they have plans to um, address the issues with their on their lending side. Yeah, uh, to really you know <laughs> get up to speed and and meet the deadlines that they that um, are are set forth in the agreements. Then you know maybe they'll have success. Agreed, and and I, I mean you look at companies like Tomo that are coming along yeah. where they're saying our only plan is to deliver excellent customer service. There's another company, yeah. Better.com, that says we're going to waive the appraisal contingency altogether. We'll eat yep. it. Yep. which is what Tomo's doing, you know, that that's where they're, they're missing the boat. Now they do mm-hmm. capture a lot of market share and, and I mean, they have, they have a successful company. I just, the, the consumer relationship is not a good one from what we've seen on the ground. So Correct. that, to, that to me is a, is, is a legitimate news story. So what I heard, and we're going to wrap this up and then we'll talk about MTV Cribs when we come back is bidding wars, cooling off legit story. Mm-hmm. EXP should be higher on the list. They were profitable. They had mm-hmm. 87% agent growth. We have Rocket bringing, uh, bringing agents in-house and Jimmy Burgess coming in with the tips and tricks and hacks and all the stuff agents should be doing, yes. but probably never will right? because 87% of them are going to fail in the next five years. <laughs> and that's why it's really important if right. you're thinking about getting into real estate, make sure you connect with our team. We have a real estate scholarship program. We will pay for your classes. It's realestatescholarshipprogram.com. And that way you're not one of those 87%. Check it out. All right. On that note, what we're going to do, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about MTV Cribs in a second. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. The real estate market is red hot. Have you considered taking advantage? Call the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax at 610-692-6976 or visit our website, tomtool.com to connect and take advantage of these market conditions. Buying a home or already own one? We can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610-816-0043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. Mortgage America is the deposit MLS Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income, whether you have a license or not? All right, stand by. 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. But it will. You know that. All right, all right. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 860 AM. Stacy was just telling me the power is going to go out of my house at some point <laughs> with this storm coming, but that's not what we're going to talk about here. So 
Again, we are streaming live on Facebook and YouTube. Just check out Tom Tool Sales Group. And we work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania and Delaware since 2018. So MTV Cribs is back. <laughs> I find this very interesting on a couple different levels. It's been off the air for what? I think like 10 or 11 years now. It's been a while. Been yeah. a while. Um, you know, it's, I, I looked at like the, epi- the forthcoming episodes on this. Um, not that exciting. So what I thought we could do was talk about our favorite episodes that we've seen, or maybe the, the, the most notable ones, and then just real estate TV shows in general, because this has like become, Cribs was the original. Like mm-hmm. they, they went in and I don't even know what the first episode was. And they started showing these celebrity homes and all of a sudden like HGTV spawned. Yeah. And then there's tons of real estate shows. So what's your favorite Cribs episode, Stacey? Tell, tell me more about that. You were pretty clear on yours. <laughs> well, I love Shaquille O'Neal. He just makes me laugh. I don't know, but he's just funny. So I would have to say that's my favorite episode. Um, first of all, his his home at the time, 64,000 square feet, right? Ridiculous. Is that crazy? Like, so he needed a Segway to get around, basically. So he's riding around in a Segway. Um, his love of Superman is reflected everywhere in the home because he's got, you know, the emblem everywhere. The most interesting thing I found... Because I'm always curious about these tall guys. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, how do they get, you know, they have to duck under doorways and they can't fit in cars. His bed, now get this, it's 15 by 30 feet. So what's the normal size of a bed? <laughs> I mean, I've never had this problem. So let's look up like normal. Yeah, what's the let's, normal let's look, size? Up, let's look up a normal king bed size. So 15 by 30. 15 by 30. Wait for it here. Uh, let's see here. 80 inches by 76 inches. So doing the math, I mean, that's not 15 by 30. I can tell you that. <laughs> it was huge. Of course, I had Superman on it. Um, and of course, he had, the, you know, a lot of upgrades. The cigar bar, which was not your typical cigar bar. I mean, it was pretty, um, pretty impressive. And his garage with all his exotic cars um, that he had specifically outfitted for himself. And the cars were Actually, the sports cars did not have roofs. Like they were mm-hmm. totally customized for him so that he could fit inside. So anyway, that's my that's my favorite one. Little known fact is that Shaq is also on the chair uh, the board of Papa John's. We were talking about this earlier. He, he's a pretty interesting guy. He, he, yeah. he is very funny and he's also he's seven funny. foot whatever, and he's just a huge man. So I get the I get the extra large bed. <laughs> I mean, the the, mo- the most infamous episode was the was the Red Man episode. Do you remember this? I don't remember that one. Nick might remember. So he, he had a two bedroom, was it like an apartment uh, in, in Staten Island? And he's like asleep when they come in. It doesn't even look like he showered. I mean, the place was a dump and he was showing that he was eating like, uh, what was, um, what fish sticks or something (laughs) in the freezer or something like that. It was like, it was like, it was like, uh, long John silver, like frozen meals. So that's probably the most infamous one. Um, one that I always, you know, cause I, you know, when, when this was, there wasn't like a lot on TV at that time when, mm-hmm. when this stuff came out, um, the most ridiculous one I saw was, uh, this guy, he was on the chargers. It was Marcellus Wiley and he yeah, obviously made a lot of money, but on the, on the floor of his, uh, on his outside, he had these like tennis courts and he had that dude on one side and wild child on the other. These were his nicknames apparently. And I just thought to myself, how is he going to sell this house right. with his name on the floor? But that's what would go on on these things. Right. right. Another one I remembered was the 50 Cent episode where 
He had an $80,000 chandelier, and he says, I could have bought a BMW for this. I've never even eaten in this room, and it was in his dining room. And oh that, that house was huge. It was in uh, Connecticut, and I think it was the same, about like close to the same size as Shaq's house. Wow. Um, let me see here. Uh, but, you know, more importantly, I, you know, while, while we're looking that up, um, and it was, this was a, it was a big house. So, um, it was, uh, it, it was up in Connecticut. It was, um, he was spending $67,000 a month to maintain the mansion. And I mean, this is in Connecticut, so he's not out in wow. California or somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, you know, I mean, it was, the house was ridiculous. Um, uh, but the $80,000 chandelier and said, Hey, I could have bought a BMW for this. I thought that was hysterical. <laughs> that is, um, the house is only valued at 8.25 million. It had a nightclub, a movie theater, an infinity pool, racquetball court. That was pretty wild. But I, I just remember him saying that it was just, it was, uh, it, it was just so mm-hmm. funny that, that the, he had that in there. Mm-hmm. Now I look at the new lineup. I, I mean, this is, I think this show is going to flop. I'll tell you why. Here's the people on. Tell me if you recognize or have any interest in these. Okay. Ashley Simpson and Evan Ross. No. Big Sean. I don't even know who that who, is. Who is that? Christian Siriano. Don't know. Johnny Weir. Oh. Now, I might. Isn't he the ice skater? Is he? I don't know. Maybe. No. Nick <laughs> says no. We need to get Nick a mic. Uh, I don't know who he is. Okay. Jojo Siwa. I don't know. Who I know is. who this is because I have a seven-year-old daughter. He's got a mic now. Huh? Oh, he's got a mic. Oh, All good. right, Nick can All chime right. in. Do you know who Johnny Weir is? I don't know who Johnny Weir he's is. Okay. Ice skater. Jojo Siwa is some sort of kid's character. Oh, no. I only know because I had to buy some clothes that my daughter Gina told me about. Jordan Woods. No. Kathy know. Griffin. Oh, no. She's going insane. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm more interested in, I mean, she, she used yeah. to do the countdown with um, Andy Cohen, which yes. we would watch every year on New Year's Eve because it was the best one. Mm-hmm. And then she lost it. Yeah. And I've heard her on Howard. I mean, she. I'd watch that more for the the show of her going a little mm-hmm. crazy than anything else. Right. Marci Martin. Nope. Martha no. Stewart. Well, uh, I don't know who Martha Stewart is. You know, I might watch that because Snoop might make a cameo. You know, I was showing a house once and uh, someone, I walked in and there was a picture of her and Snoop Dogg on, on okay. like, on like that picture. If you yeah. Google it, you'll find it out. <laughs> uh, Nick Young, who I think used to play for, uh, he was a basketball player. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Sure. Nico Tor- Tortorella. No, I don't know any no. of these people. Who's Snooky. Snooky, that she's from Jersey. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be sure. I I can't imagine the house is that nice. <laughs> Rick Ross, I know who Rick Ross is. He's a rapper. Yep. Good music. They play him a lot on Peloton. Ryan Lochte. Oh, he's a he's a swimmer. swimmer. Yeah. Okay. Scott Disdick. Nope. He's from the Kardashians. Oh, uh, is that the husband of one of them? Yeah. Uh, no, they actually weren't married, but oh, he was okay. the right. he he had the kids with her. <laughs> Tia Mowry. Nope. That's from Sister Sister. Remember that show? No. Uh, this was, uh, Nick knows what I'm talking about. Okay. I don't even, TJ Lavin and tonight. I don't know who any of these people yeah. are. Yeah. This show's going to fail. And I don't know totally. anyone that watches MTV anymore anyway. Right. I don't, yeah. I don't know any. Oh, that's why Snooki's on there. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah they're okay. just getting all the, this is, I mean, this is like the D list. Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand this. Yeah. So instead of focusing on this, I don't think Cribs is, I mean, I, I think Cribs mm-hmm. had its its run. It, it's over. Yes. Because it went from. It was cutting edge at the time. Well, and, and then it turned into all athletes. And then, I mm-hmm. mean, they had the Richard Branson episode was a cool one. Remember, he has the private island. Like that mm-hmm. was a cool one. But besides that, you didn't get a really a lot of like A-list celebrities on there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're talking about real estate shows and how that spawned the whole real estate show genre that we see now. So what's your favorite and least favorite real estate show, Stacey? And Nick, feel free to chime in. I know all Nick watches is HDTV. He's confessed. 
<laughs> yeah, they're HGTV. That that's a good one. I the the million dollar listing. Some of the characters on those, um, the California one and and the sure. New York City ones. Yeah, they're they're pretty you like, entertaining. You like those? Well, I, if I tune in, I find them entertaining. That's for sure. Yeah, but it's all. I can't imagine that it's that accurate. I think it's a lot of it is made for TV. So I, I agree with you there. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to the, uh, the, there's a guy named Tyler on Million Dollar New York City. And I was at his, uh, the, when he came out on the, it was, he came out like two, in 2019. This is before everything, the pandemic happened. We went to the um, watch party of the first episode mm-hmm. uh, with some real order friends of mine. Because a lot of these people I know, they work at like Douglas Elliman or they work at these places in the city in New York where they work with these guys. Um, that was interesting. Tyler Whitman. Um, so that was interesting to see. I, I wish they would go more into the business side with these guys mm-hmm. because I am fascinated by Ryan Serhant, um, Frederick Eklund, mm-hmm. uh, the Altman brothers, especially those three in particular, because they do so much volume. Mm-hmm. But they're doing volume of high priced properties that require a lot of time on those sales. Yes. Yeah. And we are. We were joking. Our show would be quarter million dollar listing yes. down here. <laughs> Uh, but I, I would love to see the business side more. And unfortunately, I don't think you're going to get that because I, I don't, I, there, there is some scripting that goes on in the, it's, it's real, but it's, I don't know that you have like the face to face negotiation all the time. I don't, I don't, right. I don't see a lot of that happening from what I understand. Mm-hmm. I definitely would like to see the the backside of that. Yeah. Agreed. So what show don't you like? What, what are your least favorite uh, shows? Let's say pertaining to like real estate shows. I don't think I have a least favorite. I have to think about it for a second, but yeah, no. Some of those fix and flip ones, I'm not into those. I, you know, they, they, I think they need to give a, a warning on those shows yeah. of, hey, talk to a realtor before you start to try to fix and flip something yes. because a lot of those homes are in markets where the margins are really fat. Where in California, you can fix a home up and you can resell it for a really high price. We just don't have those margins here. And I've seen some people get in a lot of trouble they get burned, and yeah. get burned and lose money because yeah. they think they can do this or it's easy or they don't have a plan. So yeah. I, I do agree with you there. Um, I think that the that they're inaccurate as far as their uh, cost of renovations because I don't know about you, but when you watch the California one, yes. and they'll say, "Oh, well, this this bathroom reno is going to be twenty five hundred dollars." I don't know where you can do a bathroom reno, especially in California, for twenty five hundred dollars. If they're so, doing the work themselves, yes, but then they're not valuing their mm-hmm. time, and mm-hmm. that's the that's the mistake because they could go work or do something else. So it actually is costing them more than they really think. They're just looking at right. materials in some cases. Yep. I, I agree. Those shows, I, I feel like they've hurt a lot of people financially. Mm-hmm. So I, I, don't, I don't like them. And these guys also make it look really easy. And, and it's not. There is nothing easy about flipping a house. Not, not at all. And I, I do believe that people look at that and they say, oh, yeah, we can do that. And then they try it. And it's a big fail. Agree. Couldn't agree with you more. So I see them out there sometimes. <laughs> so get rid of the fix and flip houses. Yes, exactly. Those shows stink. Yep. Um, you know, I, I do like million dollar listing to a certain extent. The, the, the coolest shows I see, like it's when they go to these um, extravagant houses, like on the water or these other, like where you actually get to see the real estate a little bit. So like um, not like buying Alaska or those kind of shows or like tiny houses, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. there's also the one off the grid. Have you seen the one where the people move off the grid and they live like next oh. to like a, like an erupting volcano or something in like <laughs> a, a, in a shipping that, container? I think they were doing off the grid in Alaska. Yeah, I, I don't. That I mean, wild. Mm-hmm. I want to be on the grid with power, <laughs> with television. I, I don't know. I, it, 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 it's yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. I do like the million dollar listing shows to a certain extent. It does get a little problematic at times, but I mean, you know, more so for those guys. I think it's helped their business, which I certainly oh, appreciate. Totally. Yep. And I would like to do quarter million dollar listing. Quarter million here. dollar listing. Yes. Bravo. If you're listening, Let's we're here and ready. It.
That's all we got this week on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacey Mitchell. You can follow her at the number two Mitchco at the number two M-I-T-C-H-C-O on Instagram. You can follow me at Tom Tool 3RD, Tom Tool 3rd on Instagram. Google the Tom Tool Sales Group. Check us out there. Follow us on Facebook. Subscribe on YouTube. Want to email us? It's info at tooltimeradio.com. We'll be back next week. This is WWDB 860 AM.